our next guest is Rabbi Menachem Wolf. Many people throughout the world have studied the cycle of the Rambam, and tonight we are concluding that cycle. As I mentioned earlier, we're concluding the one-year and the three-year cycle, both together simultaneously. Tonight, Menachem Wolf, the co-director of Spirit Grow, is going to conclude for us the Rambam's laws and explain the last section of the Rambam. Thanks, Tully. Good evening, everyone. Um, it's quite a privilege to be able to um, share the text of the Rambam with everyone this evening. <clears throat> Uh, because you'd probably all be f- very familiar of this um, interesting uh, um, feature of Jewish academics, which is when people quote sages and scholars and teachers from any part of um, history, they tend to be quoted in the present. So you'll notice that when um, people get up to speak or give a shiur, they talk about Rambam says or... or, or um, uh, Rabbi Gamliel says, even though Rambam said what he said 800 years ago, um, we should say Rambam said. And yet in Jewish study, we always talk in the present. And there are many, many reasons why we do that. And there's this um, slightly disingenuous, interesting approach, which is that we, we create um, arguments and conversations between people who never met one another, nor lived even in the same period of history. So we'll say Rambam says this, and Rambam Gamliel says that, and the Shulchan Aruch says this. When, when in truth, we're talking, we're talking across multiple millennia in some cases. And one of the reasons why we do this is because um, we see the Torah as a living, organic um, state of being and a wisdom that relates to all time. But there's also a spiritual idea, which is that when we quote and when we learn the teachings of um, the sages, um, past and present, uh, um, they come to life through the learning. And so... I feel very fortunate that we're going to bring Rambam to life over the next few minutes of, of um, my sharing with you. And even though I'll probably do the reading this evening, we haven't got a shared screen, um, just through this uh, one-way dialogue, through the, let's call it a conversation, actually Rambam becomes present with all of us. So it's very important to, to, to just a, a quick preamble to this final law. Maimonides is not a romantic, at least we know very little about his uh, romantic views on life. They don't really come across in his writings. He is a rationalist. Um, he is not a spiritualist. Um, we don't find Maimonides uh, quoting the Kabbalah and the Zohar and things like that. In fact, quite the contrary. He, he seems to have shied away from a lot of that. So when Rambam starts talking in a very romantic, spiritual way, it is not a, a person who suddenly um, um, just trying to fill space they're making a very, he's making a very, very profound statement. Uh, it would be like a scientist um, finishing, uh, uh, delivering a paper at a, at, a, at a world conference and then saying, and thank God, by divine right, I present you these, uh, these ideas. So one can't do that. Uh, uh, we don't like it when people do that. We prefer people to be um, consistent. But here we go with one of the more romantic and spiritual teachings, and I will teach it with the gloss of the Lubavitch Rebbe because it's the Rebbe who really um, encouraged uh, um, people to learn Rambam on a daily basis. And I feel it's just a befitting tribute that the one who initiated this daily study should be brought into the conversation of the Rambam as well. And so I'll read the text. This is um, um, uh, um, law number five in the final chapter of all the works of the Rambam. And he says, And he says, in, the, in that time, he's referring to the times of Mashiach, there'll be this time of the future that there will be no famine and there'll be no war. 
There will be no envy or competition. Um, there'll be a, a, a just the f- a, a flow of goodness in abundance and all the delights that exist in the world will be as freely available as dust. Now that sounds beautiful, almost poetic. And yes, Rambam would have been very heavily influenced by um, Islamic tradition and, and the poetry of the day, but we don't see that really coming through in most of his writings. And so I just want to give some context. When Mamoni says that there'll be no further famine or war, this is a very irrational statement. It is not within um, hum- humanity's ability to not fight. Part of who we are is the ego, and part of the ego is to displace and conquer and want to control and own. And so to say that one day humanity won't be human is actually an illogical statement, especially for a rationalist like, like, like Rambam. And uh, what he's saying is actually, although I believe the Mashiach will come through a rational process, I also, while I never write about it, I am an open believer to the super-rational. But the super-rational is a gift that happens only as, as a result of rational, logical lifestyle. And then he says that all the delights will be freely available as the dust. What he's saying is that our whole persona, the whole way of the human is going to be that we will no longer have an interest in, um, in, in materialism. It's not that he says there'll be an abundance of materiality. He's saying that that it will be as dust and that we will no longer have interest just as we have no interest in dust itself. And the occupation of the whole world, the entirety of humanity will be to solely know God. Now, when we talk about God, Rambam is not um, a, 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 a proponent at all of any Christian influence on the definition of God. In fact, he debates that. Um, the, the God that Rambam is talking about is the God of the infinite, the creator, the origin. The book, the scribe, and the story all merged into one. And so what Rambam is saying is that humanity is going to reach this point that we're going to crave to look at one another, not, in a, not with spiritual eyes, but to see the physicality, but also to see the spiritual energy that exists within each one of us, to see the soul that exists within each one of us and within each plant, within each animal, within each aspect of the, of the universe, to be able to look at everything as sacred. And just think about that idea for the human to, to, to really be like that. And then he says, He says, All the Jews will be great sages and will know all the hidden matters. And they'll um, come to understand the, the great knowledge of Hashem, the great knowledge of the Creator, um, and be able to fully use uh, their own personal potential, according to the potential of each individual. As it says in the Prophet, Isaiah, that the whole world will know Hashem, the whole world will know God, just like the water covers the sea. So again, very poetic, but what's he talking about? And why has he shifted from talking about the world to the Jewish people? And this is the final part of the teaching, if you'll permit me. When the Mashiach comes, it's going to be a state of reality that will be not only an improvement of no war, but it will be a quest for something deeper for all of humanity. But what Rambam, who is the great rationalist, says, and, and as we heard in that video earlier, he was, he was very much aware of the great philosophers of the day and their influence um, on, on thinking, is that what bothered Rambam was the fact that Jewish people tend to, um, we seek to, to, to verify the Torah, that if there is a philosophy that 
uh, aligns with Judaism, then we like that because we need that rational part of Judaism to be justified by other teachings, whether it be by philosophy or as Rambam found science. And he said, one day the Jewish person will come to believe in their own tradition, not because of the, uh, not because science corroborates it, but because they'll have discovered the deeper mystical um, wisdom that exists within Torah, that exists within Judaism. And he finishes that and he says this really interesting idea, particularly in the 21st century, and he, that he brings this idea that we will know Hashem like um, the world knows God. Uh, we will know Hashem like, like the water of the sea covers the, the bottom of the sea. Now, what's interesting is that we know so little about the deepest part of the oceans. We know more about some of the planets in our solar system than we do the deeper parts of the earth, uh, our own planet. And that's something that's still to be dis, um, discovered. And so there will be this in a quest of what is here as opposed to searching what's out there. So we've now completed um, the laws of, of Malachim, the laws of kings. Um, and we've now finished um, the, the, the larger section, which is the book of Judges. And he lists that we've just explored the 26 chapters of the laws that relate to the court system, the 22 laws that relate to, to, to the process of giving testimony, the seven laws that relate to a judge or rabbi um, that, that turns on the very law and, and, and decides to, to rebel against the law. Um, the 14 chapters that relate to mourning, and then, of course, the 12 chapters, which we've finished tonight, which relate to the laws of kings and, and, and ruling and governing a society. And then he finishes with the most interesting statement you'd never expect an author to finish a book with today, which is, This completes and is a perfect um, piece of work and with praise to God, the creator of the world. You'd never expect someone um, who's truly humble to say, I've completed this and it's perfect. We have this way, in, especially in Western culture, to say, it's pretty good. It's, it's a decent, I've put a lot of effort in, I hope you like it. But to get up and say, this is it, you need nothing else, almost sounds cocky and obnoxious. But as we heard in the video, and as Rabbi Wolf from Central Shul mentioned earlier, um, that on the grave of the Rambam, it says, that from Moses to Moses, no one ever stood. We know that Moses, the leader of the Jewish people in the desert, was the most humble person. You'd say, impossible. He spoke to God every day. He waged wars. He was the general, he was the prime minister, he was the president, he was the judge. But actually, um, he was all those things. But he said, but Moses, if you would have said, Moses, why is such a good guy? Moses would have said, I'm a good guy. But if someone else would have had my talents, they would have done a better job. And what Rambam is saying is, I have just extracted the laws from the Torah. This isn't me speaking. I'm presenting it to you. Humility does not mean that we should put ourselves down. Humility is to realize that we are servants of something great. And, and, and Moses Maimonides, Rambam is saying, I have done that. And so we now conclude um, that final section. And I'll let you um, um, drift away and, and think about those ideas. But I would also like to encourage you to consider joining all of us in this next cycle of Rambam. Um, this is a rational approach. You need not be a mystical scholar. You need not be well-versed in Hebrew. The Rambam wrote his works in a way that should be accessible to all, which was actually one of the reasons why most rabbis didn't like the Rambam. In fact, there were public burnings of Rambam because the Rambam um, wrote to the person, doesn't give complex quotes and, and references, although he regretted that and that was done later, well after he passed away, but he wrote it for us. So let's indulge the Rambam and become Torah scholars because there's a step-by-step -step path to doing so. Have a good night.
Thank you so much. And thank you for the reminding us in the lesson of humility and also reminding us that really the Rabban's teachings are meant to be easy to understand for every single person so we can all really engage and learn from it. We definitely are all looking forward to a world of love and unity.